All right, folks, welcome aboard to this very special edition of the Philip Ward Show. We have entered the 704th day of slowing the spread, 1,066 days of the Joe Unity Biden administration left for all of us to endure. Welcome to Friday. We have made it to the weekend, and folks, we have a very special show for you tonight. Hello, everyone. I know that I am most certainly not the Limbaugh that you tuned in to listen to today. I, like you, very much wish Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. For over 32 years, Rush has cherished you, his loyal audience, and always look forward to every single show. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult, even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man, a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest working person I know. Despite being one of the most recognized, powerful people in the world, Rush never let the success change his core or beliefs. He was polite and respectful to everyone he met. Even most recently, when he was not feeling well in the hospital, he was so appreciative to every single doctor and nurse and custodian and first responder. He never wanted to put anyone out and always thanked them profusely for their help. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and, of course, on the radio. And, folks, that's exactly, that was Catherine Adams. Catherine Adams Limbo, I think her name is now, who had to get on the air a year and a day ago and let every person who cherished the three hours from Monday to Friday that Rush Limbaugh was on the radio. And, I mean, there's he's got so many nicknames no, for for himself, for other politicians, um, for I mean for his staff. Uh, it, we got a story here, uh, a, a, a op-ed piece written by Diana Alaco. She was um, the uh, senior staff editor at Reader, Reader's Digest. Excuse me, um, the managing editor of the Limbaugh Letter for 29 years. So I mean, not a lot of people know Rush better than. Diana or obviously 
Catherine Adams Limbaugh. But folks, I remember hearing that. And I remember just having such sadness and 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 such feeling such heartbreak as though as exactly as she puts it that there's this void now on the radio far bigger than the void on the radio though is the void that rush left in modern day american conservatism and the he just i have trouble putting this list together and i and i and i think about it all the time I really do. And 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 I could go over with you folks as I have before. You know, less federal government involvement in our life, lower taxes, security at home and abroad and 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 so on and so forth and everything that we believe as conservatives. And I always want I like I'd love to compile a list of of the most influential conservatives, the most influential um, you know founding fathers i guess i would even go with on on what is today known as the modern day american conservative movement and i always look and, and by the way my list compiled you know it, it my list involves ronald wilson reagan of course probably the, maybe the greatest president to ever live abe lincoln's up there donald trump's up there so i think donald trump did a very good job anyway ronald reagan Former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, his contract with America and and the way that he stands up for conservative principles every day. I mean, the guy is a genius. So I I put Reagan on there. I put Gingrich on there. I put William F. Buckley, the founder of National Review, used to have an old show, Firing Line. There's episodes that it was in like the 60s and the 70s and and ran all the way, I think up until the 90s, maybe into 2000, like, you know, that was before my time. But I go back and I still watch the videos and the interviews that um, William F. Buckley did. And one of those, he has the former Arizona senator, who I also put as one of the most influential conservatives, uh, Barry Goldwater. Uh, Barry Goldwater, who I use his quote all the time, who said that most progress has been made in history through conservatism through the conservative philosophy through the conservative movement but at the very top of the list folks just given how long and how he was he just he never changed he never changed he never lost belief in 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 his core values it never unwavering was a conservative his entire life and folks i have to put rush hudson limbaugh at the top of that list because Every day, from noon to three, you knew what you were going to get, and 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 not in the way that he was going to describe. I mean, you never knew. And um, uh, Diana Alaco, she um points out in this piece here, um, one year without Rush Limbaugh, five lessons we uh he left on us and how to handle the left. You know, you knew sort of what his take was going to be, but how he was going to describe it and what other things he would use to get his point across was just unbelievable and so that part of him was just so unpredictable folks and he always brought you a different opinion than what you were being peddled in the mainstream news mirrors as he would call them the drive-by media and he is one of the biggest influences personally on my life you know i i don't think i'd ever want to do talk radio unless i heard rush limbaugh Unless you know, I I still go back now and listen to and watch some of the videos and the and the shows that he used to do on the Ditto Cam. I mean, I I, I just the guy was so unbelievable. He was number one, number one. No one came close. No one comes close to him. 
right now. Number one in his industry for 30 years. Untouched, folks. Whatever industry you're in, that is an unbelievable achievement. So what I want to do tonight on this program is honor Rush Limbaugh and honor and, and, and bring back some of the things that he used to say, some of the principles that he always defended. I want to you know, sort of give you an in-depth look at some of his, his best material. Now, we'll get to that in a second. But I want to highlight this piece by Diana Alaco, again, remember, who was the, um, the managing editor for the Limbaugh letter. She writes this piece, and this was yesterday in Fox. One year without Rush Limbaugh, five lessons he left, on, uh, he left us on how to handle the left. She writes, it doesn't seem possible that we've weathered an entire year since that bleak day last February 17th when at 12.06 Eastern, the inevitable yet shocking announcement was broadcast to the world, as I just played for you there. Rush Limbaugh had passed away. The radio titan, having lived his three score and ten to the absolute fullest, returned his borrowed talent to God. Now, if you weren't an avid Rush Limbaugh listener, you used to always say, talent on loan from God. It was a devastating gut punch to us, his highly overrated staff, as he used to call them, and to his vast listening audience. Our beloved friend would no longer be providing his brilliant, inspiring, often hilarious daily clarity and reassurance we had all come to cherish over more than three decades. When Rush was ensconced in his Attila the Hun chair behind the golden EIB microphone, all seemed right, ultra-right, with the world. Which is why we have ditto heads. By the way, those are Rush's fans. They used to call themselves ditto heads. Which is why we have ditto heads which is why we did, excuse me, have dearly missed that glorious voice ever since. Of this I am sure. Whenever news hits, millions wonder, what would Rush say? And she goes back to June 24th of 1994, Dateline, aboard Air Force One, then President Bill Clinton, as Rush used to call him, Slick Willie, whined to Saint to this uh, St. Louis um radio station in a phone interview after i get off the radio today with you rush limbaugh will have three hours to say whatever he wants and i won't have any opportunity to respond and there's no truth detector he said you won't get on afterwards and say what was true and what wasn't she says i'll never forget rush's absolute delight when a few minutes later they sent the clinton soundbite to the studio rocking in his chair with laughter Rush responded on air and said, what do you mean? No truth detector. I am the truth detector. She writes, this remains a classic tutorial on how to fight the left, how to win, and how to have enormous fun doing it. Clinton's broadside was actually a scripted and focused grouped, focused grouped narrative to paint a target on Russia's back. The president rolled out the left standard criticism as misinformation canard, followed by a ludicrous fact-checking report from FAIR, which is the Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. She writes, ha, a leftist-funded prequel to Media Matters. Well, the, the media mob dutifully piled on, 
running thousands of stories calling Rush every hateful name in the book. This event really marked the onset of cancel culture and during his career developed into a cottage industry that attempted to hush Rush for over three decades. Well, guess what, folks? They never laid a glove on him. This is a significant portion of Rush's legacy. He may no longer be on air, but his example and insights still reverberate. He prepped us, his beloved audience, to mark this somber first anniversary of his passing. She writes, here are some of the lessons he left on how to defeat the left. Number one, know your enemy. Rush's core mission, besides attracting an immense audience so he could charge confiscatory advertising rights, was to give his listeners an ideological understanding of our political opponents on the left. The left's handbook never, ever changes. Page one of leftism, 101. Silence dissent. Everywhere and always. The left has no interest in engaging in the arena of ideas. Liberals despise the very notion of political opposition. That we have time and space in the United States of America to say whatever we want, as Clinton put it in 1994, ticks them off to no end. Freedom is their greatest nemesis. Think about that, folks, what's going on in Canada right now in the Freedom Convoy. Control of speech is the means to all their ends, accruing power. They try to label all opposing ideas out of bounds, beyond the pale, fringe, so critics are marginalized, scorned, and shunned. Hence, their laughable fact checks and their lame mis, dis, and mal information gambit. Leftism is built on intimidation and a tissue of lies to which we, as conservatives, folks, we are the fact check. Number two, reject the premise. Leftist, leftist accusations and attacks are based on unstated premises. You are the problem. Conservatives are the problem. America is the problem. Learn to instantly and instinctively turn the tables as Rush did. Leftists used to call Rush dangerous. The unstated premise was that being dangerous to liberalism was bad. They expected the accusation would put Rush on defense, but he embraced that he was indeed a threat to their dominance. They call me the most dangerous man in America, he said. Know why? Because I am. <laughs> Liberals demanded that radio stations carrying Rush be required to provide equal time to ensure balance to supposedly unsafe words to which Rush correctly responded, I am equal time. Number three, use your power. The left may appear invincible, but it exerts control based on a currency of deception, manipulation, and corrupt bargains. The power we have is unassailable and it is built on invisible things truth joy common sense humor love gratitude faith these qualities answer to a higher authority and the left has no counter to them never forget we are the many rush connected us his most important bequest to us, and we will never again believe the lie that we are weak and scattered and powerless and fringe. They, not us folks, not conservatives, the left liberals are the few.
Flexing our strengths, especially the power of truth, drives them into hysterics. Four, have no fear. Leftists are bullies who are terrified of fearless, cheerful people who they know, they know are right. Those who, like Rush, truly grasp the pathetic nature of leftism ex exude confidence and even glee. Never ever buy into the temptation to despair that our situation is hopeless. This is the left's most often used deception, waiting, wanting you to preemptively surrender without a fight. Uh, hello, Republicans. Optimism is an intellectual choice, and good cheer is the blessing that follows. Happy warriors never surrender. Five, the fifth and final uh, lesson, she writes, that Rush taught us. Stay on offense. Be relentless. Because it has no moral foundation, the left's power is 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 huge. When 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 fought, it will deflate though, like a softball, and come crashing down just like the Berlin Wall. Follow Russia's model and laugh at them every day. In the same way, Rush was the most dangerous man in America. Embrace the truth that we are the most dangerous people in America to the left. They may, at the moment, control the institutions, the levers of power, and much of the media, but we have them surrounded. And folks, they know it. Now, the point that she makes there with Rush and, and um, uh, staying on offense and being happy, and obviously Republicans don't do that, I want to. Get it? And this is in um, the new book out by James Golden, who was also known as Bo Snurdly. He was Russia's producer and call screener for years. Page 40, and this is literally in the book. James Golden writes, Here's what Rush told me in a 2008 interview. James, one thing hasn't changed from what I wrote in my first book. Elected officials come and go. My success does not depend on who wins elections. Theirs is a different business than mine. They have to go get votes. They have a different attitude on things. I, by the way, and, and, and the, the point that I'm, I want to make the point here, folks, this is why I'm reading it to you, because we as conservative folks, we can do this. this it, it, we're, we're not the elected people. All we want is our values and our beliefs to be upheld by so-called Republicans that always two to four years, here they come begging for our votes. He says, I'm on constant offense. Defeat the opposition mode. Politicians have this notion. We've got to work together. Says, I don't want to work together with these people that I find pose a great threat. I've never moistened a finger and stuck it in the air to see what people want to hear and said it. He says, actually, it's just the opposite. And folks, I think Rush, and by the way, we'll get to what Rush said about Barack Hussein, or as he used to call him, Barack Hussein O in 2009. It drove the left and our mainstream media absolutely nuts. But before we get to that, folks, I want, and this is, this is Rush. He gives this speech, CPAC. 2009, describing, defining what we as conservatives are, how, how we are, 
what we believe in, what we want from this country, what we want from our elected officials. And and by the way, the speech, if you haven't seen it yet, folks, I would really encourage you to watch the whole thing. It is very worth your time. It literally defines what modern-day American conservatism is. He says, I want to tell you who we all are in this room. I want to tell you who conservatives are. We conservatives have not done a good job, good enough job, of just laying out basically who we are because we have we make the mistake of assuming people know. Says what they know is largely incorrect based on the way we are portrayed in pop culture, in the drive-by media, and by the Democratic Party. Let me tell you who we conservatives are. We love people. When we look out over the United States of America, when we are anywhere, when we see a group of people such as this or anywhere, we see Americans. We see human beings. We don't see groups. We don't see victims. We don't see people we want to exploit. What we see, we see potential. We do not look out across the country and see the average American, the person that makes this country work. We do not see that person with contempt. We don't think that person doesn't have what it takes. We believe that person can be the best he or she wants to be if certain things are just removed from their path, like onerous taxes, regulations, and too much government. We want every American to be the best he or she chooses to be. We recognize we are all individuals. We love and revere our founding documents, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. We believe that the preamble to the Constitution contains an inarguable truth that we are all endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Those of you, he says, watching at home may wonder why this is being applauded. Well, we conservatives think all three are under assault. We don't want to tell anybody how to live. That's up to you. If you want to make the best of yourself, feel free. If you want to ruin your life, we'll try to stop it. But it's a waste. We look over the country as it is today. We see so much waste, human potential, that's been destroyed by 50 years of a welfare state. By, fail, by a failed war on poverty. You know, we love the people of this country. And we want this to be the greatest country it can be. But we do understand, as people created and endowed by our creator, we're all individuals. We resist the effort to group us. We resist the effort to make us feel that we're all the same. That we're no different than anybody else. We're all different. There are no two things or people in this world who are created in a way that they end up with equal outcomes. That's up to them. They are created equal, given the chance. But he says, we don't we don't hate anybody, though. You know, he says, the racism in this country, if you ask me, I know many people in the audience, let me deal with this head on. He says, you know what the cliche is? A conservative, racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe. He says, excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if you were paying attention, remember this was back in 2009, and I know you were, the racism is on culture, and, and our culture was exclusively and fully on display in the Democrat primary last year. 
He says it was not us asking whether Barack Obama was authentic. What we were asking is, is he wrong? And we concluded yes, and we still think so. By the way, I think a lot of those conservatives back in 2009 still believe Barack Hussein Obama was wrong from back then. I think we think Joe Unity Biden is wrong now. Hillary Ron Clinton is wrong now. This Democratic Party is wrong now. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is wrong. By the way, sicking police officers now on peaceful protesters. But we didn't ask if he was authentically black. We didn't say, as some Southern Christian leadership conference leaders said, Barack is not authentic. He's not got any slave blood. He's not really down for the struggle. But his wife is. So don't expect the race industry to go away. Southern Christian leadership conference, he says, you may not know this, but it wasn't reported in the drive-by media. The racism, the sexism, the bigotry that we're all charged with, just so you know, across the United States of just so you across the United States of America know, and you'll see demonstrated here as the afternoon goes on, doesn't exist on our side. We want everybody to succeed. He says, you know why? Because we want the country to succeed. And for the country to succeed, its people, its individuals must succeed. Everyone among us must be pursuing his ambition or her desire, whatever, with excellence, trying to be the best they can be. Not told, as they are told by the Democratic Party, you really can't do that. You don't have what it takes. Besides, you're a minority or you're a woman. And there are too many people that want to discriminate against you. You can't get anywhere. You need to depend on us. He says, well, take a look. Someone has to say this. I am thrilled for the opportunity to say it in my first, as he says, national address to the nation. And I'm going to touch on this in more detail in a moment. But this is just going to get you thinking. Take a look at all the constituency groups that for 50 years have been depending on the Democrat Party to improve their lives. And you tell me, if you find any, they're still complaining, still griping about their problems. Their problems don't get fixed by government. And those lives have been poisoned. Those lives have been cut short by false promises from government representatives who said, don't worry about it, we'll take care of you, just vote for us. Folks, that was 2009. Right now, 2022, has any part of that changed? Is anything that Rush says there wrong at all? Absolutely not, folks. That's exactly what the Democratic Party has always been about. That's what the Democratic Party is about now. That's what the Democratic Party will always be about. Depend on us. You can't make it. You're not good enough. You need government to live. Look at what Joe Unity Biden is up to nowadays, folks. That's what they are. If people are not dependent on government, the Democratic Party does not succeed. And by the way, he's absolutely right about the racism. The Democratic Party is the party of racism, slavery, and the KKK. Always will be. It wasn't Donald Trump or any prominent Republican who was, say, who was when, when the Democratic governor of Alabama, George Wallace, said segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He's not the one... It, no Republican was, was praising him and was reminding people that he praised him, kind of like Joe Unity Biden did. It wasn't any prominent Republican who said, if you dare not vote for me, then you ain't black. No, no, no. That was all Joe Unity Biden and this Democratic Party. Now, January 2009, it was four days before Barack Hussein Obama was going to be inaugurated. 
as president. And, and, and folks, I have described this myself as one of the, if not the greatest segment I've ever heard on radio. So, Rush says, quote, I got a request from a major American print publication. Dear Rush, for the Obama Immaculate Inauguration, we are asking a handful of very prominent politicians, statesmen, scholars, as Rush would say, businessmen, commentators, and economists to write 400 words on their hope for the Obama presidency. He says, we would love to include you. If you could send us 400 words on your hope for the Obama presidency, we would love to include you. He says, and we need it by Monday night. He says, that would be ideal. He says, now we're caught in this trap again. The premise is, what is your hope? My hope, and please understand me when I say this, he says. I disagree fervently with the people on our side of the aisle who have caved and who say, well, I hope he succeeds. We've got to give him a chance. Why? And, it, and folks, this is what I love the most about Rush and what Russia, because why would we do that? Why would we follow their narrative? Why would we play their game? It continues. He says, why would we do that? They didn't give Bush a chance in 2000. By the way, did the liberals or the Democrats give Donald Trump a chance when he won, when he was elected in 2016? I think we all know the answer to that, given Hillary Clinton's spying scandal this week in Russia game. Before Bush was inaugurated, the search and destroy mission had begun. Says, but I've been listening to Barack Obama for a year and a half. I know what his policies are. I know what his plans are, as he has stated them. I don't want them to succeed. He says, if I wanted Obama to succeed, I'd be happy the Republicans have laid down. And I would be encouraging Republicans to lay down and support him. Said, look, what he's talking about is the absorption of as much as the private sector by the U.S. government as possible, from the banking business to the mortgage industry, the automobile business to healthcare. He says, I don't want the government in charge of all these things. I don't want this to work. He says, and this, folks, was phenomenal. So I'm thinking of replying to the guy. Okay, I'll send you a response, but I don't need 400 words. I need four. I hope he fails, is what Rush said. He says, well, and it was, I believe it was Bo Snurley, James Gold himself, who was laughing behind the glass. What are you laughing at? He said, so see, here's the point. Everybody thinks it's outrageous to say. It says, even my staff, oh, you can't do that. Well, why not? Why is it any different? What's new? What is unfair about my saying, I hope liberalism fails? Liberalism is our problem. Liberalism is what's gotten us dangerously close to the precipice here. Says, what do I want more of it? I don't care what the drive-by story is. I'd be honored if the drive-by media headlined me all day long. Limbaugh, I hope Obama fails. Says, well, somebody's got to say it. Were the liberals out there hoping Bush succeeded? Or were they out there trying to destroy him before he was even inaugurated? Why do we have to play the game by their rules? Why do we have to accept the premise here that because of the historical nature of his presidency that we want him to succeed? So this is affirmative action if we do that. By the way, how about Joe Unity Biden? 
saying, I'm going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. I think that's affirmative action too, folks. We want to promote failure. We want to promote incompetence. We want to stand by and not object to what he's doing simply because of the color of his skin. He says, sorry, I got past the historical nature of this months ago. He's the president of the United States. He's my president. He's a human being. And his ideas and policies are not what count for me. Are what count for me, excuse me. Not his skin color. Not his past. Not whatever ties he doesn't have to being down with the struggle. All of that's irrelevant to me. We're talking about my country. The United States of America. My nieces. My nephews. Your kids. Your grandkids. Why in the world do we want to saddle with them? Uh, why in the world do we want to saddle them with more liberalism and socialism? Why would I want to do that? He says, so I can answer it in four words. I hope he fails. That would be the most outrageous thing anybody in this climate could say. So so shows you how far gone we are. And he says, I know, I know. I'm the last man standing and I'm happy to be the last man standing. I'm honored to be the last man standing. And folks, I that's what we as conservatives understand that. But Republicans need to understand that, folks. And that's that's one of the reasons, folks, that I'm not even a registered Republican myself, folks. I am a registered conservative because I love conservatism. I love the ideas, the promises, the, the values we all hold as conservatives, folks. I absolutely love it. Why would we want Joe Unity Biden to succeed? Why would we want Obama to succeed back then? We disagree with them. We don't like them and they don't like us. So Rush's point that he was making, why do we have to play the game on their rules? Did they want Donald Trump to succeed in 2016? Of course they didn't. So folks, and I remember bringing this up when uh, when Joe was inaugurated. What you know, what 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 should we expect from Joe's presidency? Well, I'm with Rush on this one, folks. I hope he fail. I still hope he fails to this very day. And by the way, it seems as if his policies are failing, folks. Well, I, actually, let me rephrase. His policies are, are succeeding. And why is the country failing? Because Biden's policies are succeeding. This country fails when the Democratic Party and their ideas succeed. Guess when the country succeeds? You bet when the Democratic Party fails. Yesterday on Fox News, Ainsley Earhart was doing an interview with the woman you heard at the top of the show here, Catherine Limbaugh, Russia's widow. Um, this was uh, aired yesterday, and she says, uh, quote, Rush always said that the audience meant everything to him, and we want to carry that on and make sure that we continue our American values, that we continue to have pride for our symbols. She says to Ainsley Earhart, Rush would be rather furious with the state of our country. He would be upset with the United States not being as strong as it has been and should be. She says, I, I know he would say, it's not time to panic, though. She says, he used to say, quote, it's never time to panic. Folks, it's never, ever going to be time to give up on our country. It'll never be time to give up on the United States. It'll never be time to give up on yourself. She also says, and by the way, I personally haven't been to uh, his gravesite. I truly want to get there at some point. But there are two benches at Rush's grave because visitors may want to speak with him, as they often did. She said, I happened to be sitting there when out of nowhere, 
a man gave me his rosary that he had brought there to give to Rush. She says, she says, in that time, I felt he's still with us. One of the most important parts of her interview yesterday, I think, was this. She says, he's living on through these people, the people in Rush's audience, folks, who, who every single day were there to listen to him. So I think we can take the lessons that Rush taught us, that, that Rush's life brought to us, and honor Rush Limbaugh, who, who in my eyes, and I think in a lot of people's eyes throughout this country, is indeed radio's greatest of all time. God bless Rush Limbaugh. God bless his family. And as I always say, folks, thank you to L. Rushbo. Thank you to Rush Limbaugh for everything he did for our country. Thank you for listening to the program. Have a great weekend. Go out. Enjoy life. 704th day of slowing the spread. 1,066 days left for all of us to endure in this Joe Unity Biden presidency. Have a great weekend. Thank you, as always, back here on Monday.